Hello and welcome to the Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by a virtual team. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at Flash Hub. On today's episode, we have Peter Ivanov. Peter has 20 years experience working with virtual teams. He's spent the last five years coaching virtual teams. He's also the author of a book called Virtual Power Teams that I highly recommend. So here is episode five of the Virtual Frontier featuring our guest, Peter Ivanov. Hi, Peter. I'm happy to have you on the show here. So Peter is an international speaker and he has long-term experience with virtual teams. If he was not a person um, that was one of the first people having experience with virtual teams. And I'm happy to have you here on the show. So introduce yourself to the audience, please. Hi, Manuel. It's an honor to be on this podcast. Um, my name is Peter Ivanov, uh, born in Bulgaria, living in Hamburg, Germany right now. Um, I was, um, I had a chance to work, as you said, with many virtual teams. So I have 20 years experience leading virtual teams and now five years coaching virtual teams and speaking about virtual teams. And I was, I started as an IT, uh, I was a data analyst doing some programming and running some reports and then was an IT manager, then managed a big project in Hamburg, moving a data center, which was a couple of countries involved, my first virtual team to manage, including the customer and some of the project team members. Then went to Budapest, we established their technology shared services for Central Europe, so eight countries, and I was establishing it and, and running the team and supporting this diverse customer base. Then came back to Hamburg, run a couple of projects, uh, and then I was leading the project delivery unit for Europe. So essentially, I was managing the IT portfolio and the project managers that run this portfolio for the business. And then last three years, I was head of IT services for Eastern Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And that was by far the biggest region, uh, probably half of the globe, uh, very dispersed. Or in some cases, like Central Africa, very poor infrastructure. So I had 100 plus uh, permanent people on the team and probably likewise uh, contractors and outsourcing partners. And there, uh, through my uh, mistakes <laughs> and my victories, I developed the method virtual power teams, which is essentially the 10 big rocks, the 10 success factors for retaining the gravity, I call it, the gravity between the team members, despite the distance, despite the time zones, despite the cultural uh, differences. And the last five years, I've been running this method with several, um, quite a few uh, customers, initially starting with multinationals, where I'm coming from, uh, which have global teams and they have to manage them, project teams as well as business as usual teams or strategic teams. Um, then mid-sized companies having you know, production in China and marketing offices in, uh, in the US and so on. And recently, startups, which... After they reach, uh, after they get out of the incubator and accelerator, they have a solid product and get proper venture capital, they start growing quite fast and they care for the best people and they recruit them regardless where they are. So they start organically growing very virtually. I have a client now with 30 people in 22 locations, 22 different cities in probably around 15 or 18 countries. Mm -hmm. So uh, startups which already grow, they also have virtual teams. Um, so that's my kind of professional experience. And the other thing about myself, I have five daughters, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is uh, still a local team, uh, between six <laughs> and 14, no twins. So we are in a very hectic 
face to face period, mm-hmm. especially the teenage ones. Three of them are teenagers, and two are still little one. We call them. Mm-hmm. But uh, once they start leaving house, uh, and the eldest one goes to the U.S. next year, we will become a virtual team and virtual family. So <laughs> I'll see how can I apply and adapt my method for for families. And if you count the the, the uncles and the grandparents and so on, many many families are, are virtual by now. And yeah, probably that's enough for introduction. Perhaps we'll touch upon some other points. Yeah, that's very impressive. So you have lots of experience working with many different people across the globe in different IT projects or even in different projects in general, not only related to IT. Um, And you have been a successful sportsman. So maybe you can tell us about uh, this part of your life. Yes. So... um... I was a sportsman all my life. Uh, when I was a student, I was competing in student competitions in javelin throw and, and shot put, actually, uh, because I have this, you know, explosive strength. Uh, but I was never a top athlete. And then age 40, probably midlife crisis kicking in, I decided <laughs> to prove that I still can and I'm still strong and even stronger. So I started preparing myself initially with uh, my friends from the student years We went to the Bulgarian National Championships for seniors, actually. You have this very well-organized seniors athletics where starting from age 35, you have an age group, five years, like 35 to 40, 40 to 45, and then no end, open end. Uh, uh, And then uh, initially, you know, I become a Bulgarian champion, then Balkan champion, which is, I'm not sure, probably 12 countries like Greece, Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria, and so on. And then last year was my culmination. I went to New Zealand, and then there I become a world champion in discus throw, which I started age 40, actually. And then wow. I got a bronze in, in javelin. Um, and it was impressive uh, competition there. It, they call it World Masters Games. So it's like Olympic Games for seniors. But because you multiply the number of disciplines by the number of age groups, <laughs> I think we were, if I'm not mistaken, 20,000 athletes. So wow. Oakland, New Zealand was flooded with... <laughs> senior athletes and uh, there were people 100 plus i remember in my day when i threw javelin there was an indian lady 101 years old so she was doing 100 meter sprint and when she finished and she was really running not just you know, crawling and then there were tv cameras and big interview and her grand grandchildren were there and so on mm-hmm. so it, it is it is good but uh, for me it was you know virtual life a lot of online calls podcasts and youtube videos so i need something tangible you know to grab something and throw it as far as you can some physical competition right exactly exactly on one hand something physical so you can really feel it and you feel the tension on the other some competition where you have opponents but you know you mainly compete we had this conversation Mm -hmm. and you are also athlete in the martial arts very successful one Mm -hmm. Uh, in the athletics you mainly compete against the other competitions, but moreover, uh, you compete with yourself in the preparation, in your technique, and in the competition to give your best. So uh, it was it was a fantastic journey. And this year, I'm taking a break. So I'm just coming from the gym now, but I'm not doing competitions. <laughs> Next year, I guess I will return, but slowly because the kids uh, yes. require more time. Before they leave home, I think I have to focus on them. <laughs> Then I can come back to the track. Yeah, thanks for the insights to this part of your life. I absolutely appreciate that. And I really have honest respect from people that bring a passion that they follow. And as far as I can see, you had this passion and you have this passion still for sports, 
but also for your professional life. And that's why you founded something that you call Virtual Power Teams. Um, in fact, I read your book and I read the amazing stories that not only have to deal with um, with IT or digital projects, but how they how the power of virtual teams could leverage or could be leveraged to help people, just uh, to help people in uh, different um, scenarios of um, catastrophe, etc. So maybe you can tell me about virtual power teams and what makes them so powerful. Yes. So a virtual team is a group of people which are spread across more than one location. Um, and normally I would ask in my keynotes, the audience, how do you think, how many are in percentage the virtual teams? If you say one, more than one location, they could be in the same city, you know, just two offices could be in different countries or continents. Um, you, you read the book and it is there. I'm not sure you remember, but what, what is your guess? What do you think are in percentage the virtual teams globally? How, how many percent of teams work uh, virtually? You mean? Yes. So maybe work with people 30. not in the same location. Uh, 30%. 30%, you say. Uh-huh. So in, according to Forrester Research, and this study is four years old, I didn't have uh, um, a more recent one, they are 81%. Wow. Uh, okay. globally yeah and 60% of them are in more than one time zone so quite dispersed mm-hmm. and and hence uh, virtual team quite a few of them are virtual and the virtual power team is not just a group of people that has to work together not in the same place but uh, is a team which has a strong gravity i compare the virtual team like the atom the model of the atom where you have the nucleus and then you have mm-hmm. a various particles flying around and in a virtual team we aim to retain the gravity despite the distance. The gravity between the individual team members, which are in this case the particles flying around the nucleus, towards the nucleus, which is not the manager, not the boss or project manager. This is the purpose and the goal of the team. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of emphasis on bottom-up setting up the goal. So a virtual power team is a team which has a strong gravity. And from this reason, they deliver top performance, much, much stronger than, uh, than the usual, often Before plan, often with improved quality, and I have a number of case studies, probably we will uh, touch upon some of them, uh, and even sometimes go beyond the promise. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and I have my method, the, the 10 big rocks, which are the 10 success factors for retaining the gravity and unleashing the team power, and mm-hmm. hence delivering top performance. Okay. So you say that the performance of a virtual team is based on the purpose that drives them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, purpose there are many many things but purpose is essential for the gravity yes that's that's mm-hmm. it then you need you know the 10 big rocks are split in three main groups first is like if, if you compare to the human body first is the head the logical part mm-hmm. so there we have personality in focus many people and we'll touch upon flash teams but if these are employees or key partners that have to work together over like one year or two years project mm-hmm. we put personality in focus so mm-hmm. Uh, some managers say, I don't see why should I care what are the individuals. From my perspective, a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, uh, then, and there is a very concise format within like five to 10 minutes, people go deep and intimate. Then mm-hmm. strength matrix, people feel anonymous and not recognized. And in the strengths, we discover their natural talents and strengths very quickly in a peer coaching format. They coach each other with a preset questions. And then we put them in a strength matrix. And instead of feeling anonymous, they start feeling special, like heroes, because every one of them has developed a special 
kind of skill set and the others know. And instead of working in your weakness area, you know where you're strong. You would give this to somebody who developed this strength and you will take over in your strengths area. Yeah, and then comes the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, sorry, go ahead. Interdependent goal. I'll just briefly list them. Interdependent goals, this is how we set the goal, as you said, the purpose and the goals, strategic goals based on the purpose, which we do bottom up. Regardless how smart is the manager, if it's a longer term, he cannot, he cannot be aware of uh, the, the hot topics in these locations, cultures, and so on. So we do it bottom up. Mm-hmm. So this is the clarity part, the head, who is member of the team, what's the goal. Mm-hmm. Then you have, uh, and, and the purpose is there, but beyond the purpose, you have the second part is like the muscles and skeleton. So here we have the, we establish a structured communication. There is a big rock about forums and agenda, what conferences, what meetings are needed, knowledge management, how do we do it despite the distance and regular feedback, which in local teams sometimes is scarce in virtual even more. Mm-hmm. So here we establish a structured communication, not manager-centric or problem-centric, because yep. in poorly teams, the manager calls the meeting if there is a problem and start finger-pointing and so on, but structured in a way that everyone is having a time slot and everyone can, can shine and contribute. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the third part, we had the head, we had the, the skeleton and muscles, the body, and the third part is the heart, my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So here we're talking about recognition, again, scarce is local, even more in virtual diversity. How do we handle a multiple culture? How do we establish a team culture consciously chosen by the team members, which is optimal for the bouquet of uh, ethnic cultures? Mm-hmm. And then how do we establish a winning spirit despite the distance? Um, and the tenth one, normally I keep for the end as a surprise, but it is next generation leaders. If you have a bigger team, how do you involve the new leadership talents? And because it's virtual, when you break down, you know, the, the purpose into strategic goals, you need to deliver. And then I would involve hands-on the new um, kind of leadership potential and talent. Mm-hmm. And there is a process and structure as well. So these are the, the three parts, uh, including the goal purpose, including the structure communication and the heart, the optimal culture, the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you consult corporations, um, enterprise organizations regarding virtual teams. You teach them or help them to start working with virtual teams. And as you have a long-term experience, what was the most exciting experience that you had with a virtual team, if you want to Mm -hmm. share that with us? Oh, two things springs to mind. I'm not sure. Let me tell you one which I did as a coach. The other one is from my practice as a manager. I was project managing one global project. Uh, But this one as a coach was funny because... um, I had a client in New York, and he's running MOOCs. You probably, you, do you know what is MOOC? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess the audience probably will be aware. MOOC, massive open online course. So he's having a 35,000 people subscribing for his course. Mm-hmm. He's a Harvard graduate, and he's teaching in his course modern architecture. But he's not just teaching it uh, dry. Uh, they do it on a real case study. So after the tsunami destroyed the infrastructure in, in the Philippines, Mm-hmm. The government decided to build the new schools destroyed by the, the tsunami very robust. So they will be so robust that in the normal times there will be school schools, but in the case of natural disaster, they could you know um, host the people and provide a secure shelter. And then with all his knowledge, uh, he was giving them advice by video, and then they were giving some assignments to work on a project and design such a robust school. But his problem was it was six weeks course. After the week five, the people started to drop out and drop out very, very heavily. So out of 35,000 subscribing, there were between three and 5,000 remaining. 
And he was getting his money only in the end. When people successfully complete the project, they got a certificate from his team of professors. Uh, they got the, the sign-off and they got a certificate and, and pay the money. So people were staying for five weeks and living happily for free. And he tried to get the money up front, but just only <laughs> 3,000 people subscribed. So um, then he engaged with me and we were discussing with his team of professors what to do. And we just did the following. We asked the people to get together in a group of five. Not that we did it, said get together, self-organizing manner. And in this group of five, they presented themselves with a lifeline. This is how I normally go with the personality in focus. People present themselves with a lifeline, which you have the time from the date of birth and you have the intensity of life events. So you have the moments where you're most proud of, like the highlights on the curve. Mm-hmm. You have the low lights, the moments where you struggle most, but nevertheless managed to overcome. And with this insight, which takes like five to 10 minutes, but it's very rich experience. If you do it online, you hear the voice of the people that uh, presents. And uh, even if there is video, you see him, you know, emotionally going through his lifeline. Uh, they went through this exercise and then went through the strength matrix. And instead of everyone doing his project on his own, as it was before, this group of five had to deliver only one project. So they split the roles based on their strengths, knowing each other. And after the, the critical week five came, they were just not able to let their, you know, uh, people, their teammates down. And um, there was some dropout rate, but it was significantly lower. Um, so this is just a simple example, which for me was at a big scale, people even not seeing each other, similar to the Flash teams, but uh, quite different as well. Um, and with this uh, simple exercise, we managed to deliver a very good quality projects. So a number of projects completed was much bigger. And uh, the revenue was through the roof compared to the starting position. Mm-hmm. And I think the people, um, they established many networks and community and they're still in touch because it was not anonymous. They were, you know, those five people working in a the team. They kind of uh, get to know each other and they're still existing alumni of this MOOC, which are still a part of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in fact a very impressive and that's uh, um, maybe one point why you gave these kind of virtual teams the name virtual power teams and in fact i mean you you said that the purpose is one one very important component that drives people so if you have um, a manager driven organization where a manager needs to tell people what they do this is only one brain that moves or thinks forward to the goal and tells other people what to do. If you have a purpose-driven team where people, and this is one part of your virtual power teams, know each other, they trust each other, they understand which skills each other have, and they all see themselves as like a service provider to contribute to the common goal or to the common purpose. This is in fact very powerful and that explains why our organization, and in fact, we have one virtual power team that helps me to operate my company um, and then we have flash teams on top that are there on demand to solve different complex open goal projects like mobile app development web development or any kind of cloud application development so those are two different mechanisms can you point out the difference between virtual power teams and flash teams or flash organizations mm-hmm. i think um, flash teams, I was recently become aware and actually thanks to you and, and the people that uh, connected us, but I see a huge potential of uh, flash teams. Uh, as far as I understand it now, and you have uh, bigger experience, I have a very rich experience with virtual teams and virtual power teams. 
and now you with the starting uh, flash teams. Um, in the virtual power teams or teams, normally you either have uh, people which are employed by one company, regardless how big or how small, in a startup or a multinational, or you have a team where you have uh, a number of employees and then a number of either freelancers or key partners, uh, which you know comprise the team. And there um, you are looking longer term. So normally virtual power teams is one year plus horizon, sometimes longer. Um, and there is a great investment building trust, building trust between the people investing and in getting to know themselves holistically as individuals, as human beings, not just as professionals. Um, so, and then you apply the 10 big rocks, bottom up, goal setting, structure, communication, so on, and you build the virtual mm -hmm. power teams. Oh, In the flash teams, I think the necessity is there. The demand is strong from the market. This lack of um, expert resources in Western Europe, particularly around uh, programming, uh, is driving uh, this demand high. And there, I guess, uh, if you, um, there are two things. First is having a very robust process with a handoff points and so on. So you need to have a very good uh, organized process. And second, uh, I guess you need a very solid platform who is supporting the process. Uh, but also, um, these are the success factors that, you know, your company is providing. Um, and having also a proven pool of experts, you know, uh, having a team which recruits the experts and ensures the quality. But you have to, you have, to have a, a good people. Uh, you have to have another element is uh, the micro roles. In the virtual power teams, it's a bit like in the agile, we're looking a bit for T-shaped individuals. So you need for some generalistic component you need for some cross-functional um, experience and then some expertise. So this is the optimal setup. In flash teams, I guess you need for a very good experts in a very well-defined micro role. So this combination between solid expertise, proven, uh, a platform that support and a very optimized process uh, can drive um, a very successful flash teams. And for sure, on top, you need somebody like yourself who ensure the quality and the management of the team yeah. because the customer will not be able you know, to step in and immediately manage regardless if he has access. You know, some people do it. There are platforms where you could you know, search and find the experts, mm -hmm. uh, but this management level that you provide is essential as well because there you have <laughs> your power team and exactly. uh, their performance is key. Yeah. So we, we have a virtual power team that builds a platform to allow flash teams to exist so yes. that is yeah so we have both components the one is for the stable things that have a long period of uh, time where they work together this is the virtual power team mm -hmm. and then we have the flash teams that come together for like six months maybe only three months and they just do one project mm -hmm. but they are supported by the virtual power team so yes it's a virtual team that supports a virtual team that's very, yes. very interesting yes. it just became obvious to me but <laughs> <laughs> yeah very exciting. Um, what do you think does an organization need to start working remotely or even with virtual teams? And mm -hmm. how long does it take on average when you tell us from your experience with uh, corporations? Yes. Now, with corporations, if we're talking virtual power teams, um, normally if you give the right start, the right kickoff, it takes my usual format is two days workshop. 
And sometimes if it's a very senior team, you know, vice presidents or CIO with his direct reports, their time is very precious. We do the very essentials within uh, one day or even half day. Uh, so it's really going through the 10 big rocks and uh, tuning it for the reality, for the industry, for the locations involved, for the countries, for the specific. And it's not me that kind of tunes it. I provide the process and facilitation and they come up with the, all the expert knowledge to, to get there and to, to have the roadmaps, which are one of the key outcomes. Uh, when we define the purpose, we define the roadmaps. They come with a team charter, which defines the structure communication, the forums, the urgent communication channel and so on. So normally it takes like two days to set them on the right foundation. And then for sure you start executing the structure communication. So you need to follow up in a proper way. You need to uh, deliver on what you promise in terms of regular feedback, in terms of recognition, in terms of people take ownership on the roadmaps of particular milestones and so on. Uh, but it's not, uh, it's not a big deal. Um, but it's quite substantial cultural change, particularly if you come from a manager who is like micromanaging or he's been managing local teams who would like to control everything. Those things are not possible. This is what in my book, I took one example from my practice. And in some cases, it was me like 15 years ago, trying to micromanage, trying to be the smartest person in the room doesn't work. So you, you need if you, you have to operate uh, in a different way in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, two days to set the foundation and then uh, normally we would have like once a quarter, um, half a day online just to make sure we deliver all the roadmaps and I may have some executive coaching session with the manager if he has some cultural uh, problems or he struggles. Uh, but it is... Uh, it is to some extent, natural if you run it bottom up, if you run it in an empowering style, and if the values of the manager, the, 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 the team culture that he wants to instill is compliant with this empowering virtual power teams culture. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. For the Flash Hub, I guess the value proposition is that you can build them very quickly and leverage on the process and on the platform. So there, it, it, it's much quicker, but key success factor is to having the virtual power team on top. That can, Absolutely, yeah. 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 I mean, this could be a start for organizations to see how remote work or how a virtual team could work for them mm -hmm. to start immediately without having to change uh, processes over the long term, without finding a new office somewhere else in the world where they can hire people and then build a bridge that they call a remote team or virtual power team. Yeah, but they could just start with a flash team and see how it goes with the virtual team and if they see, if they get the results that they hope for. Exactly, exactly. I would just like to add, now I'm dealing often with, uh, you know, digitalization drives a lot of organizational change and innovation. Mm -hmm. And I uh, have come across, met on conferences, some chief digital officers, mm -hmm. and they have to deliver innovation. So they drive innovation from different, uh, they have either internal innovation labs where they would yes. kind of fund their startups or they work with some partners and a couple of companies. So um, there very often they need to scale fast, either mm -hmm. like lean startup model or they have a project and they need to deliver for some prototype. So I think this will drive uh, a big corporate clients to look more for flash teams, mm -hmm. uh, particularly to deliver on their innovation portfolio. And if you have a solid method to deliver fast and, and, and efficient and robust, uh, I think this will have a lot of, um, it will deliver a lot of value and will be, um, it will mature and will be established as a model for them. Mm -hmm. I've read the statistics, by the way, that uh, I think 2000, 
20 or 22, not sure, 47 percent of the people will be flexible workforce like yep. freelancers and so on not employed yep. and i think uh, i'm not sure how they did the research and what's underlying assumptions but i guess some part of it will be like flash teams delivering on some of the projects mm -hmm. yeah when we are talking about the future and i i know this study was from uh, forbes and there's another one from intuit Uh, where they describe that in the U.S. in 2020, more than 40% of uh, the workforce will be freelancers, and in Europe, it will be about 25%. So we see there is a huge shift into freelancing workforce. Respecting that, what do you think, how could an organization look like in 2022? Mm -hmm. I think um, it's a very good question. I think to drive operations, to drive run, because you have the innovation portfolio, you have the marketing and product development, uh, and then you have uh, project delivery, uh, delivering on this innovation portfolio and product development, and then you have run, which includes you know sales, and you may have production there, you may have just maintenance and so on. I think for the run organizations, um, There will be, we, we have, in the past, we have a lot of outsourcing there, particularly for shared services for like IT, HR, finance uh, functions. Uh, now, there is a little bit of wave back going to like mid, uh, mixed sourcing, some kind of service management in the middle and then, uh, but there will be. Uh, probably there will be there will not be many changes uh, there if you look 2020 2022 but in terms of project delivery i guess there will be a lot of flexible workforce needed including flash teams mm -hmm. because uh, you can deliver much faster leveraging on this follow the sound global access to resources um, if you have a platform and, and the way to ensure quality mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, innovation And product development, not so sure, but I guess uh, number one will be in the project delivery space. Number two will be probably in the product development because you have competitive advantage. You need to keep some things in source, but uh, you have, on the other hand, some innovation hubs and companies which uh, deliver, developed a very, very strong mm -hmm. skills in this space. Uh, but that will be number two in terms of going more flexible. Mm -hmm. And probably the least change will be now, uh, which is the run operations functions. Mm -hmm. uh, but even there, you have uh, a lot of outsourcing. And even there, that's my usual customer base where they struggle right now. They have a huge contract, 100, 200 pages. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it comes to managing issues, uh, they struggle. So it's much more establishing a people-to-people -people team between the partners instead of going into dispute and having lawyers and so on. So there probably there won't be more virtual teams, but even the existing ones need some support. Mm -hmm. And in the project delivery, considering now the more dynamic marketplace with lots of innovation, lots of disruptors, mm -hmm. there will be huge demand for new products. And I guess a uh, big part of them will be delivered, particularly the prototyping part and so on by virtual teams mm -hmm. and flash teams. Yeah, from my experience, project success is all about people. I mean, it's not an organization that makes a project successful. It's people that make the project successful. And an organization is usually there, especially if we are talking about service providers, to control people. 
And you only need to control people, from my experience, if they don't know what they should do or if they don't have transparency to make proper decisions. Mm -hmm. If I bind your eyes and tell you you should go into the right direction, it's simply not possible. But if you connect people, maybe in the platform ecosystem, it's easier than ever. And maybe platforms will replace organizations that just have and control people. Then it's easy to understand why the future workforce will be more freelancers. Because if organizations don't have a benefit for people, then the only benefit is... Uh, Yeah, or I mean, the, if, if they are self-responsible and the, uh, the people that are freelancers can work in the same way on their own behalf, self-responsible and free on a platform, I think there is no sense to have uh, an organization that controls people. What do you think about that scenario in the future? Yeah, it is a very drastic change, but I think it's quite... Um quite logical and, and, and robust. Um, for sure, if you say it now to some corporate managers, they will see a threat and they will start sure. arguing. Uh, but if you have a proven success uh, track record of a platform where you get the people quickly mm -hmm. and, um, and can deliver the project much faster mm -hmm. with good quality, then fact speaks for themselves. So um, I think this scenario will, will thrive. Um, mm -hmm. You need to ensure, as you said, you need to ensure clear decision-making rules. You need to yes. ensure a clear purpose. But this is something that uh, you don't need the whole organization for that. Mm -hmm. You need a good, you know, good process and a good platform with integrity rules and so on. Yeah. I mean, the, the organization most likely has to support people to do their job. That's what a platform does. Yes. So an organization should not be there to limit people and to control them, but to support them to reach their personal but also professional goals. Yes. From my perspective, this is how the organization of the future should look like. And that's how we build our organization. We are currently working with 150 people distributed all over the globe. And people that are working here with us in our local office, they are free to work from where they want, in which projects they want. And we have full transparency. Every salary is open. Everyone can make proper decisions by him or herself. So they can do any kind of yeah, things that they think is useful for them personally and also for their projects. Yes. So, um, from, the, from, the, from this perspective, do you have experience with other organizations that go a similar way to make everything open and transparent and put people in center instead of managers? Um, not really I was just listening to you one of the reasons that this model I think will grow is that uh, it, is, uh, it provides a lot of benefits for the, um, for the people for the freelancers for the people that like to, to work free I have a campaign called working, uh, work wherever you like with a hashtag and then I have a lot of exotic faces but really people appreciate this greatly particularly you know young mothers there are some mm -hmm. social democratic groups for them this is an absolutely fantastic way to get back to work and they wouldn't have uh, this chance if they have to follow the traditional rules mm -hmm. um, you asked me if I know organization which already adopt this was it a question mm -hmm. about organization? yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah um, I think as I mentioned, some uh, established corporates, they have, uh, particularly in the digital portfolio space and innovation mm -hmm. space, they adopt this approach. 
if I look at, um, I'm sorry for the noise. <laughs> no problem. That's your physical life. Yeah, nice music we have us trying here. If it was a remote team, you just can mute it. <laughs> but in the physical life, it's simply not possible. Yes. So don't worry about that. Um, so, no, do you think? In, I mean, in the US, transparency is much more important than in Europe. In mm -hmm. Europe, many things are about control, putting borders between people. At least this is my impression from corporations. Um, do you see in other countries that transparency plays a bigger role in corporations and that people are more free and put into the center of an organization? I mean, in this sense, I, I see this because people demand it. I mean, the corporations, they don't have much choice. Mm -hmm. And the ones that ignore this trend... They struggle. I mean, if they ignore it for a longer term, they struggle big time. And you see, you know, even share price falling and, you know, headlines negative in the press. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, I'm probably on the lucky side, but because people that engage me, they appreciate the people. Mm -hmm. They would like to empower their people. Uh, they would like to deliver through people and not uh, through um, somehow control and uh, other ways to manipulate. And um, and that's why I mainly deal with organizations which uh, appreciate uh, the freedom of the people. They are result-oriented, but not only result-oriented because you may go, you know, profit is the only result we care and go mm -hmm. ruthlessly about it. They let people in the decision-making in setting the purpose and the vision yes. and then go for it. Uh, so I see this uh, in different um, organization, you know, including big corporates uh, where I support projects, uh, including like CIOs having a heavy digital agenda to deliver and they try to build virtual power teams. So all this is about, as you said, transparency, transparency about who is a member of the team, what's our purpose and not just transparencies, but co-creating, you know, the purpose and, and, and the goal. Mm -hmm. um, And I think uh, this will be a factor for success or failure. Uh, the mm -hmm. people that embrace those values, they will thrive. The rest probably will be kind of disrupted yeah. in a negative way by some new... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, to, you have to change if you want to stick to the old things and see this as a security. The only thing that is certain and secure is that it limits your possibility to grow and to change in the future and to change with the markets. That's uh, obvious for me, but I'm wondering uh, how others will see that. I will interview some other people in the near future. I will also interview some CEOs and some people that have a strong experience with virtual team or even some people that failed with that approach. And we will see how, yeah, how other people um, experience this. And if the world changes, we will see. So at the end of the podcast, um, I would be happy if you can give our audience some insights about where they can find you, how they can connect with you, and maybe where you have a next event where you do public speaking, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so I live in Hamburg, Germany. Um, my uh, email, you will put it, I guess, uh, in the text of the podcast, but it is very easy, info at peter-ivanov.com, mm -hmm. is my name, and peter-ivanov.com is my webpage where there are many videos from my YouTube channel and uh, some case studies and so on. Um, 
I take part in quite a few conferences. So each year I speak on 20 to 30 conferences um, in Europe, but also in the USA. Uh, and there, uh, I this year I did some uh, online congresses with uh, global reach as well. Um, so best way is really to, to go to the web page and there you could subscribe to my blog, which is a monthly blog, and to the YouTube channel. Uh, or just drop me a note. Um, normally, I uh, send a team assessment, uh, which is a virtual team assessment, so people can run through it. These are 40 questions, and based on the score, we could have a even free strategic session for your particular virtual team and decide how best we can you know, drive it to virtual poverty. That is very interesting. We will uh, transcribe the podcast and share it on social media. You have also a LinkedIn profile. And it would be good if you can put a link to this virtual team assessment below our transcription notes so that others can start this assessment and see how they are doing. Sure, sure. Perfect. Great idea. And otherwise, the book is translated in, six, in five languages, yeah. actually. German, English, Bulgarian, my mother tongue, Polish <laughs> and Spanish. And next year, it will be published in, in Chinese. It's already translated, but we wait. The quota for foreign authors have been exhausted, so will be published early next year once they open up again for foreign authors. Uh, so the book provides a lot of insights. And as you uh, yeah, I, read it. I, I read it and I can uh, absolutely recommend it. It's inspiring and it tells a story. So it's um, very interesting and not only theoretical. Yeah, it's right. a story. Like it's a business novel, which makes it probably yeah. to digest. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then we reached the limit of our show. It was very interesting and exciting um, talking to you. Thanks for having you on the show. And um, yeah, if you want to get in contact with uh, Peter Ivanov, then just go to the LinkedIn profile or see our transcriptions where we will put all the links to his profile inside. Thanks for hearing us. See you. Thank you. Thank you, Manuel. It was a pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest, Peter Ivanov, for joining us today. You can find out more about Peter and Virtual Power Teams by checking out his book anywhere books are found or at his website, peter-ivanov.com. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier or leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you want to learn more about Virtual Teams as a service, visit flashhub.io. On behalf of the team here at Flash Hub, I'd like to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.